Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org Hello and welcome once again to Daily Daft Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski and thank you for joining me to learn Tractate Shabbat, page 11. This is a really exciting page with all kinds of different stuff on it. Um, I want to point out one thing at the beginning. We sometimes uh, wonder how it is that the material gets ordered in the Talmud the way it does. Sometimes it's thematic. Uh, sometimes it's just a group of sayings with no particular thematic connection, but they're all said by the same guy or the same particular chain of tra- transmission. So from the bottom of the last page through our page, we've got a series of statements that are all sort of interesting um, ethical maxims or exhortations or good ideas given by one chain of tradition said by Rava bar in the name of Rav, Hama bar Giora in the name of Rav. So this chain of Babylonian transmission, they tell us that people should live in new cities and not old cities because there's less developed sinning over the centuries, that, that, in a synag- that in a city the synagogue should be the tallest building. He tells us in one beautiful saying that if all of the world's seas were ink and if all the marshes were filled with quills and if all of the heavens were parchment and if all human beings were scribes, one could still not uh, record all the wonder, wondrous work of government. It seems that they're quite amazed that uh, that governments and kings can keep societies ordered. And he's got some other he's got some other teachings. On the back side of the page, on the on the bet side, Doc, there's an important theoretical issue. Uh, one's accustomed to all the the distinctions between um, things which the rabbis regard as mandated by the Torah and things which they regard as mandated by their own legislation. Obviously, the rabbis added a lot of, of uh, requirements of their own legislation. And they do place a great deal of emphasis on uh, on their own legislation, but they also uh, will try to distinguish between the importance of the Torah and the importance of human contribution. And they, they say, for example, that they don't want to make, in general, a gezerah al gebei gezerah. In other words, you don't want to make an additional rabbinic fence around what was itself originally a fence. We, we like to have a fence around the Torah, a restriction to keep people from violations. But we understand also that it is counterproductive to keep making fences upon fences upon fences. There's a great a little midrash that, the, that Adam and Eve got into the problem, got into their problem. God said, don't eat from the tree, and Eve reports to the snake. You can go see this in Genesis chapter 3. Eve reports to the snake that they're not supposed to touch the tree. Ah, well, when she discovers that, in, in fact, you know, if you, even if you touch the tree, you don't die, she comes to take the main requirement of not eating from the tree not so seriously. So, on our page, the uh, rabbis analyze some of the prohibitions on carrying, which appear to be um, r- additional restrictions about things that were only rabbinic, r- prohibited by rabbinic decree to begin with, such as carrying in a carmelite. The carmelite, you remember, is the rabbinic zone, which is not fully Rashut HaRabim, the public zone, nor fully Rashut HaYachid. It's only forbidden by rabbinic decree to carry in there, and yet they seem to be heaping restrictions upon restrictions just for that rabbinic, uh, rabbinic restriction, rabbinic requirements in the first place. And ultimately they try to parry that attack. 
Um, there's a suggestion that the reason that they would, in this case, make such a restriction on top of a restriction is because carrying is such a, a, a minor thing. People find it hard to take this seriously. It's so small. It's a milahad geru'ah, say some of the commentators. So they try to try to focus people's attention by making more and more gezerot, uh, rabbinic enactments. But in general, the basic the basic rule is that one shouldn't do such a thing. One should should distinguish between Torah commandments and rabbinic commandments. But the really interesting thing in our page is is part of a long uh, r- r- something that occupies the rabbi's imagination. You remember on the previous page there was a uh, there was an interchange between two sages about taking time for prayer, and one of them says, "Why are you stopping to study Torah, which is chaye alam haba, which is the life of eternity, wasting your time on chaye shaha?" Little stupid things like trying to pray for your own health or your well-being or or uh, or enough rain or enough money or, or things like that. So there is there is a standard theme uh, among some of the sages of the Talmud to think that prayer is a much much lower form of spirituality. That the real form of spirituality is the intellectual work which the rabbis themselves excel at, which is the study of Torah. On the um, A side of our doc today, on on Yud Aleph. Uh, on Yud Aleph Amud Aleph, that is 11a, you find uh, a discussion about whether or not one should stop uh, um, studying uh, when the time for prayer comes. And what's at stake about that is really not just a, a rule about how to behave, but a statement about values of the what people should care the most about. And what we hear, what we hear here, is uh, that somebody like Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, who's one of the most important of the Mishnaic era teachers, you, you may know a famous story about him, how he escaped the Romans and hid in a cave for 13 years, gaining this kind of mystical elevation or refinement, and that's why he's associated with the medieval book, the Zohar. Somebody like Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai shouldn't stop studying for uh, for prayer time because uh, study is his life, and, and it would be wrong for him to interrupt uh, that lofty thing for something as silly as prayer. But then Rabbi Yochanan, who comes a couple of uh, generations after, and Rabbi Yochanan actually is quantitatively the one most quoted in all the Talmud, says, but, but for people like us, we should stop studying uh, not only to say Kriyat Shema, to say the, the three paragraphs of the Shema, which is a biblical requirement, but we should also, we in our in our lowly state, should even stop studying uh, to say the Amidah, the prayer, which is by all accounts a rabbinic requirement. Rabbi Yochanan elsewhere in the Talmud says, Halavai sheyit palel adam kol hayom kulav. Would that a person just prayed all day long. It appears, if we can uh, assume that he is in fact the author of such a statement, that Rabbi Yochanan himself really elevated that kind of really, really valued, very, very highly valorized that uh, the act of prayer, that that was a connection to God, uh, at a level as high or or at least as high as study. But Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai is portrayed as, as not being in that way. Now, rabbinic literature, you have to know, is not just a book that somebody sat down and, and wrote. It's, it's an edited collection. Of, uh, of these teachings over many centuries, and in other rabbinic books, we are here studying the Babylonian Talmud, but there is also something called the Jerusalem Talmud, another version, another collection of rabbinic teachings uh, on the Mishnah. Uh, the Babylonian Talmud is edited somewhere, final edited, finally edited somewhere in the 6th century, the Jerusalem Talmud or Palestinian Talmud somewhere in the 5th century. Um, 
in the in the Jerusalem Talmud or the Talmud Yerushalmi on this same passage, it's not a statement about Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. It's a statement in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, in which he is uh, heard to teach that one should not stop studying, even to say the Shema. If it's study time, then just study and don't worry about the time for saying Kriyat Shema. He is reported as saying that Shema is itself merely an act of study. So if you are studying the words of the sages, that is at least as important. And don't interrupt. Don't interrupt your intellectual activity. Uh, he, he over there in that state, in that passage in the in the Talmud Yerushalmi has this uh, slightly misanthropic sort of. Uh, statement about how people are not nearly as good as the Torah. He said, if I had been at Mount Sinai, I would have begged God to give everybody two mouths. Two mouths, just one for just Torah study. So they don't do anything except talk about Torah with that one mouth um, and use the other mouth for all the mundane things, including prayer. But then he goes on to say, but people do such bad with the one mouth that they have, all the gossip and all of the betrayals that they do with one mouth the world would never be able to endure uh, if we if we actually had two mouths. So anyway, I think that the, the thing that is really quite interesting on the level of not not just the rules of Jewish behavior, but every rule, and always remember when you when you study a rule about Jewish behavior, always remember that behind it is a statement about values. Uh, this passage is really a, a, an interesting uh, contrast between those who say that the important thing above all is study, study, nothing but study the, the activities of the mind and those who would find a, a greater balance with the activities of the heart and spirit as well. Thanks for studying with me and I look forward to being with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One B. Available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.